fuck is up, you backroom bitches? It's your boy Tyreek, and welcome back to another episode of The Backroom. It is Thursday, September 8th. I hope you guys are having a great fucking day so far. I know I am. Um, This week has honestly flown by so fucking fast, but it hasn't been very eventful. I've just worked, to be honest. Um, But I hope you guys are having a good week, and you're making that money taking care of your shit, doing what you gotta do, and not worrying about the petty bullshit, you know, something that somebody said, you know, fuck that shit, you know, it's not gonna matter in an hour, or in a week, in a month, in a year, um, ten years maybe, it's, it's, it's all irrelevant, what matters is what's happening right now, at this exact moment, you know, the next minute is something that you have to manifest, something that, if you want something to happen, you gotta you gotta be in control. You know what I mean? Don't worry about the shit you can't control. You know. So yeah, that's that's my motivational speech for the day. Um, speaking of work, I saw Parker for the first time in like three weeks. It was good to see him. I missed him. Um, dude shaved his beard. Uh, the entire time I've known him, I've known him for a year. He's had a beard. Now he doesn't have a beard, and it's it's very strange. It's very weird. It's very weird. He looks like a child. Uh, not really, but, you know, he's, he's a very young-looking face. I mean, the dude looks dapper, though, regardless. Shout-out Parker. Um, and shout-out Erica, you know, my girl. You know, she's just fine as fuck. Um, relationship's going well. Like, I honestly... I'm... I'm happy as fuck. I'm not going to lie. I'm cheesing. You can't see my face. You could probably hear me, you know, smiling like a dumbass. But you know what? It's okay. I'm I'm happy and that's all that matters to me. Anyways, let's cut the chit chat and get down to the murder. Um, You know, like I talk about every fucking episode. So today we're going to be talking about the murder of Rachel and Lillian Entwistle. Now this case takes place close to home in the state of Massachusetts. Um, it's it's an unfortunate story. I heard about it on YouTube. I follow you know all those. I'm subscribed to all those YouTube you know uh, uh, true crime channels. You know they just talk about it. And this one came across. This one actually came across like months and months and months ago and I honestly forgot about it until like last week so here it is large and in charge now before I start should mention you know continue to support the podcast by liking subscribing following uh sharing obviously always share um if you don't already follow me on instagram at backroom podcast just so you can get like a visual of you know each case um i put a little you know summary of the episode in there as well so you know feel free let's start so neil entwistle was born near nottingham and attended the university of york receiving a master's degree in electronic engineering he grew up in Worksop with his parents Clifford and Yvonne and his younger brother Russell. Entwistle's home was working class. His father was a, mi- a coal miner, excuse me, and his mother was a cook at a school canteen or cafeteria. Obviously, somebody who made this Wikipedia page is from the UK. Um, 
While at university, Entwistle met Rachel Souza, an American who was studying abroad. They married on August 23, 2003 in Plymouth. The couple moved to Worcestershire, where their daughter Lillian was born on April 9, 2005. Entwistle worked in computing and his wife was a teacher of English drama and theater studies at St. Augustine Catholic High School in Redditch. After migrating to the U.S., the couple stayed with Rachel's mother and stepfather, Joseph and Priscilla Matarazzo, yes, in Carver, Massachusetts, before finding a home of their own in Hopkinton, located 26 miles west of Boston, which is where the Boston Marathon, I was going to say Marathon, Marathon starts in Hopkinton, and it's 26 miles, it's like the big thing, mile 26, you know, that's when you like cross the finish line and all that, you like high five and shit, whatever, um, the bodies of 27 year old Rachel and 9 month old Lillian were found on January 22nd, 2006, in the master bedroom of the family's rented home, where they had been living for 10 days. Autopsy results showed that Rachel died of a shotgun wound to the head and Lillian of a shotgun wound to the torso. The bullet passed through Lillian also pierced sorry, the bullet that passed through Lillian also pierced Rachel's left breast. The bullets were so small that the one in Rachel's head went undetected until the autopsy. Hours after the death of his wife and daughter, Entwistle Entwistle purchased a one-way ticket to London at about 5 a.m. on January 21st and boarded a British British Airways flight that departed Boston at 8.15 a.m. His speedy departure from the crime scene was not the only reason he raised suspicion. Entwistle's DNA was found on the handle of the same 22 caliber handgun owned by his father-in-law, Joseph Matarazzo, that he told authorities he had only used once, months earlier, while practicing at Matarazzo's shooting club. DNA match, sorry, DNA matching that of his wife was found on the gun's muzzle. A set of keys to Matarazzo's house were found in the car and whistle left at Boston's Logan International Airport, which I honestly live like maybe five miles away from the planes go over my house you know at my girlfriend's house they go like right over her house like like right like you can see the bottom of the plane very well in detail um it's crazy flight paths man flight paths um fuck where was i oh yeah a search of Entwistle's computer revealed that days before the murders, he had viewed a website that described how to kill people and searched for escort services. Contrary to onward appearances, Entwistle had been unemployed since September 2005 and was indebted at the time of the murders. Though he claimed an income of $10,000 per month from an offshore, offshore account set up by his previous employer in the UK, Entwistle had no such income or account. He was also more than $30,000 in credit card debt and was under investigation by eBay for numerous fraudulent transactions. Authorities suspected a financial motivation for the murders. 
On the evening of January 21st, the day after the murders are believed to have been committed, police officers visited the Entwistle's home after Rachel's friend reported her missing. Though the police conducted a cursory inspection of the house, they failed to notice Rachel's and Lillian's body obscured under a pile of bedding in the master bedroom. A second and more thorough search the following evening discovered their bodies. On January 23rd, a Massachusetts State Police Trooper called Entwistle at his parents' home in Worksop. The call lasted two hours and was recorded. Entwistle told the trooper that, on the morning of the murders, he had left his Hopkinton home at around 9 a.m. to run an errand and that his wife and daughter were both excuse me, had both been alive and well in the bed in the couple's master bedroom. He claimed that when he returned at around 11 a.m., he found both had been shot dead and had no idea who had killed them. Entwistle covered their bodies with blankets and did not alert authorities. <clears throat> Entwistle claimed that he was so distraught upon seeing the corpses of his wife and daughter that he decided to kill himself. However, excuse me, because he was unable to bring himself to end his life with a knife, he drove to the fa drove the family car to the Matarazzo's house to get a twenty two LR caliber revolver. Finding the house locked, he told police that he decided to fly home to England to see his parents. That's, sorry, bullshit fucking excuse right there. That's so fucking stupid. That is not even fucking true. Gonna be honest. And listen, I've heard the recording. This dude doesn't even sound panicked. He doesn't sound distraught. He's like, whatever. I can, yeah, I doubt and I definitely did it. And the cop on the other end has like a thick Boston accent. He's like, "So you're you're aware that you killed your family?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah." You know, in his fucking British accent and shit. It's kind of fucking wild. This dude is like low key a fucking psychopath. I'm not even gonna lie. Not like low key. He is a psychopath because anybody who could like kill their wife and then their daughter. Anybody who could kill their child, let alone a significant other, is mentally insane. But to kill them both. Oh, no, no, baby. <clears throat> Excuse me. Police subsequently named Entwistle a person of interest in the investigation and later issued an international arrest warrant. On February 9th, 2006, Entwistle was arrested on a London underground train at Royal Oak Station following a detailed search of his parents' house. After an initial request that he not be sent back to the U.S., he later agreed to be extradited. Middlesex County District Attorney Martha Coakley, who had successfully prosecuted British au pair Louise Woodward in 1997, told a press conference after Entwistle's arrest, On Thursday night, Rachel was alive and had spoken with family members. At some time on Friday morning, Neil Entwistle, with a firearm we believe he had secured at some time before that from his father-in-law Joseph Matarazzo, shot Rachel Entwistle in the head and then proceeded to shoot baby Lillian, who was lying on the bed next to her mother. We believe possibly this was intended to be a murder-suicide, but we cannot confirm that. Obviously, the murder was affected, but the suicide was not. What we believe happened next was that Neil Entwistle returned the gun to his father-in-law's home in Carver, then made preparations to leave the country. As we know, he was observed at Logan International Airport. 
He purchased a one-way ticket on British Airways at approximately 5 a.m. on Saturday morning, January 22nd. He was on an 8.15 a.m. flight to the United Kingdom on that day. Based on forensic information late Tuesday afternoon that linked the 22 caliber handgun owned by Joseph Maserato both to both to Neil and Whistle and to Rachel, we believe we had probable probable cause to seek an arrest warrant for Neil and Ent- Whistle's arrest. Rachel and Lillian were buried in Evergreen Cemetery in Kingston, Massachusetts, with the surname Souza on their graves. They were buried in a single coffin. Lillian's birth and death certificates were edited to read Father Unknown. On February 8, 2006, a week after their funerals, Entwistle was arrested by the extradition unit of London's Metropolitan Police Service at Royal Oak Station. He eventually waived his right to consent the extradition order and was returned to the U.S. on February 15th, where he was arraigned at Framingham District Court and ordered to be held without bail at Middlesex County Jail in Cambridge. On March 28th, Entwistle was indicted on two counts of murder, the illegal possession of a firearm, and the illegal possession of ammunition. He pleaded not guilty. In December 2006, I was going to say 2016, in December 2006, nearly a year after the murders, officers at the Middlesex County Jail found letters from Entwistle to his parents and his legal team, which indicated that he was depressed and might be contemplating suicide. As a result, he was transferred to Bridgewater State Hospital for mental evaluation before being returned to Middlesex County. Forensic psych psychiatrist yeah that's i don't know why i was gonna say a different word forensic psychiatrist christopher cordis believed asperger's syndrome explained and explained and whistles behavior and dr david holmes concurred after numerous delays the middlesex superior court began juror selection in june 2008 there were cons- Sorry, there were concerns that due to a, due to the high-profile nature of the case, Ed Whistle would not receive a fair trial. Some media report reported that potential jurors were indicating that they had already formed significant views of his on his guilt. Which I mean, to be honest, I've never done jury duty. Every time I've done jury duty, or not not done it, but like I, every time I've gotten this, like you know, hey, by the way, you might have to do jury duty. You have to show up on this day. Blah blah blah. We might select you, X, Y, and Z. They cancel it. Uh, I mean, I've pushed, I put, pu- I've pushed it back a couple of times, but they canceled it. The times that after I pushed it back, so, you know, but you know, no bullshit. Like, I don't even think I could be selected as a juror because I host a true crime podcast. You know, I enjoy true crime. And if it's a high-profile case like this one, um, you know, there was, you know, one, like, I don't know, about 10 years ago about a girl. We called her Baby Doe. That was what she was known as. But over in Deer Island near the airport, she was found in a black trash bag dead washed up on the shore they couldn't find her they they couldn't find her parents they didn't know her name 
then they found her parents and like the mother's boyfriend beat her beat the girl to death and they threw her in a trash bag but you know I think I had a friend who was going to be selected as a juror on that and he was like no I have a little brother he's a child and he left you know so yeah I don't know that's kind of fucking but I can understand you know like I would form a biased opinion if you kill a child and it's it's kind of obvious I'm gonna just assume you're guilty and I'm just gonna stick with it you know anyways let's continue and whistle's trial for double murder began on June 2nd 2008 in Woburn Massachusetts the woo his legal team led by Elliot Weinstein unsuccessfully fought, fought proposals by the prosecution to use DNA evidence he also unsuccessfully fought to suppress the other evidence found in the family's family home due to a lack of a warrant and whistle called no wit- witnesses nor did he testify in his own defense mm, yeah i don't know about that and whistle was found guilty of all charges on june 25th 2008 and sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole the mandatory sentence for first degree mur- murder in the state of massachusetts judge diane cotmeyer made it clear that this was a whole life sentence subjected only to a governor's pardon or successful appear appeal not appear appeal Kotmeyer imposed two life sentences on the murder charges and 10 years of probation on the firearms and ammunition charges all to run concurrently and the condition that he never profit from the sale of his story fair Entwistle was first incarcerated at the Sousa Baranowski, that's how you say it, Baranowski Correctional Center. Um, where is that? Isn't that like, oh, that's in Lancaster. Yeah, that's like in the middle of fucking nowhere, my friend. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. In August 2008, he was tricked into shaving his head in an attempt to secure the protection of a white supremacist prim- prison gang. Oh, nice that's fucking real grand instead of giving him protection the gang had reportedly said it's a nice gesture on your part but we're gonna kill you Hmm. and whistle was put into protective custody as a result and in december he was transferred to old colony correctional center a medium security prison prison in bridgewater the Department of Corrections confirmed that Entwistle's transfer was for his own safety and that the threats against his life were quite serious. Well, yeah. I mean, he deserved it, though. He would deserve to get fucking killed. No bullshit. He, he killed his wife and daughter, so... And he had, like, zero remorse about it. Like, he fucking deserves it. That's just my opinion. Fuck capital punishment. I'll let the... The only time that I'll be on a white supremacist side is when he beats a fucking murderer. A child murderer. Only time I would cheer a white supremacist on. Don't fucking... Don't, like, clip that. Don't say, oh, you're, like, white supremacist. No, I don't like white supremacists. But when they want to beat the fuck out of a... a, a baby murderer then fucking with all due respect fucking do it you know anyways and Wilson's conviction was automatically appealed to the massachusetts supreme judicial court 
He arranged for a new lawyer to represent him in his appeal since his original lawyer, Weinstein, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and dropped the case to focus on recovery. On appeal, Entwistle argued that the searches of his of the family home were carried out with carried out without warrants, and the evidence seized as a result should not be suppressed during the trial. The appeal was reject, rejected in August 2012. The U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear the case in January 2013. Entwistle has thus exhausted all of his appeals. In October 2008, Entwistle's parents filed a complaint of harassment with the UK Press Complaints Commission against their local newspapers, the Warsaw Guardian. The complaint was rejected. His parents continue to insist that their son is innocent of the murders, that Rachel was the true killer, and that he will eventually be cleared and released from prison. And Whistle's mother said after the trial, the evidence points that Rachel murdered our grandchild and then committed suicide. Well, Yvonne, or whatever the fuck your name is, that ain't it, baby. Mm-mm. Your son straight up killed his fucking, killed your grandchild and your daughter-in-law. You know, it did happen. Like, it's, like, it's just... I think you, you're, 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 you're conscious, you know, you're not in fucking the clouds right now, you just want to believe, no, not my sweet boy, yeah, your sweet boy, fucking murdered two people, you know, he's in prison, he's serving two life sentences, two, two, Massachusetts does not have, uh, uh, capital punishment, doesn't happen here we don't do that anymore you know but if if we still had it i'll tell you he would fucking he would have been dead a while ago especially if his appeals have been rejected he he has no more appeals he is rotting in a prison now i know we talked about it last case and they put it out there you know spending life in prison you know meeting capital punishment you know, it's tit for tat, you know, it's here or there, you know what I mean? They're both horrific. I would much rather know when I'm going to die rather than sitting in a cell 23 hours a day for the rest of my life. And this kid wasn't, he wasn't like too old, you know, he was only, let me see, he was born in... He wasn't even 30 when he he killed her. 28. 28 years old. And he could potentially live to the age of 80, 90, you know? I hope not. I hope not. I hope he's suffering, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, that's my episode. It was actually quite short. Not gonna lie. Uh, um, I'm, I'm excited about that it was short as fuck. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed it. Um... I know I did. I like that stuff. Uh, tune in on Monday. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a two-parter. I'll put out at part one on Monday. And then part two the following Monday. It's going to be amazing. Um, I found out about this story on uh, Hulu. Hulu threw out a fucking crime documentary. A true crime documentary. That's fucking wild. 
Um, so I'm really excited to share the story with you. I hope you're excited to listen. Um, you know what I always say? Hey, you know, stay healthy, stay safe, stay happy, stay hydrated, stay fed. You better not fucking skip a meal. We don't want no fucking Klansmen running around, okay? Uh, you know, just live your best life, honestly. Don't fucking worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Fucking live in the now and seize the moment. Carpe diem. Fucking, you know, I'm not one of those basic bitches who have that shit in their Instagram bio, but... Let's fucking get it. Let's fucking go. Let's roll with it, you know? Let's take risks. Let's roll the fucking dice. Let's go. It's fucking, I'm excited. It's fucking, fucking first game of the season tonight. We got Rams. We got Bills. Fuck the Bills. Fuck the Bills Mafia. Rams all day. We got Patriots on Sunday against the fucking bitch-ass Dolphins. I shouldn't say that because for some reason, every time we go down to Florida... We get clapped. I don't understand the fucking nature of it. Actually, the Patriots did show up yesterday in Florida to acclimate themselves to the heat, which is very smart because that's like the only advantage, you know, uh, the Dolphins really have over us. I mean, they do have Tyreek Hill, not related. Um, but, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever. Anyways, I'm just rambling at that point. At this point, you know, take care, brush your hair, also brush your teeth, stank breath, and uh, have a good fucking rest of your day. All right, be blessed. Be too blessed to complain. Okay. All right. See you guys. Love you. Bye.